stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. And this week we're talking about marketing. Now, marketing is one of those things that, uh, I don't know, it kind of trips people up. And it's for me, it's been one of the things that's been a real bugbear to me. But really, ultimately, I've realized that I'm doing a ton of marketing and only by being completely authentic and just putting myself out there just as it is. And it's been working for me way better than trying to find some fancy messaging. So you're going to love this episode with um, the wonderful Gina Ballerin. So let me tell you about it. She is the director of Verbalistics, is an inspirational TEDx and keynote speaker, storyteller, content marketer, and B2B marketing leader. She is also the author of The Secret Army, Leadership, Marketing, and the Power of People. And she sits on the boards of Project Displaced and the Chartered Institute of Marketing and is also a member of the Professional Speaking Association. And when she's not telling stories, she likes hiking and doing Zumba and drinking tea. Well, she can have the Zumba, but I don't mind the drinking tea and the hiking's all right too. Welcome, Gina. It's my pleasure to be here, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure having you. It's um, You've got such a vibrant personality. I'm, I'm so glad we're getting to talk. And Today, I mean, we're going to talk about it. I hope we're going to talk about several things, but one of the things, you know, that is about marketing and, I, you know, keen to hear your thoughts on it because a lot of people are, well, what's the word, scared of it or, or jammed up by it and, you know, I guess paralysed by the whole bigness of it. And, in fact, it's probably not that hard, but it's the scary part. So I can't wait to talk about that. And you're the director of uh, Verbalistics, you know, which is obviously that's right. It's a good bloody content. And um, so you, you became an entrepreneur. So how, how did that happen? Like, how did you start working for yourself and got on that journey? Well, the answer to that question lies in part in a book I wrote about the experience of becoming an entrepreneur called The Secret Army leadership, marketing, and the power of people. But really, what it comes down to is that. Corporate environments work when you believe in the organization you're working for and when you are happy to do the job that you're told to do. Mm. But entrepreneurs tend to have a different spirit, a different way of seeing the world. Often, we don't like to be told what to do or we see things differently or we like to challenge the status quo or we just believe that there's a better way of doing things. And so after many years of working for organizations where I didn't actually realize I was so frustrated, but I kept leaving again and again and again once I'd figured out the challenges. It was like, well, I'm bored now. I finally started working for myself, and this is the longest job I've ever had. Wow. How long have you been doing it? How long have you been working for yourself? Five and a half years now I've been leading Verbalistics. And the very interesting thing about it is that I get to work with people from all sorts of different organizations and walks of life and, and roles and challenges. Generally, I tend to work with people from the tech space, so uh, startups, software as a service. That's just the niche that I found myself in. And I find it really interesting because if you've got to be a storyteller who has to be able to pick up information and translate it very quickly to help people understand why they do what they do and why they should care, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to be able to really learn quickly, adapt quickly, and find the elements that people are passionate about. And that's something I absolutely love doing. And that's the pleasure and the privilege of being able to work at, in a business that you own yourself or that you run yourself. 
you kind of get to choose the people you want to work with. And you get to choose people who resonate with you. And that's the exciting thing about having conversations with people like you. We connected. We were connected because someone thought we might like each other. And we did. And we were right. And we got a chance to have this excellent conversation simply through the power of the online world, through the power of LinkedIn. And really, when we talk about marketing, that's what it's all down to. It's all down to being able to put yourself out there in a way that is authentic and real and share the stories about why you do what you do, why it makes a difference in people's lives, Hmm. and talk a little bit about the people you've helped. And then everything else after that kind of follows. It flows logically and easily. Maybe that's why people are a little bit scared of marketing, because either they're scared to show their true colors to the world or they're scared that the right people might not be listening. Look, it's not easy. Mm. Marketing isn't a walk in the park, but it also isn't something that is terrifyingly hard. And so I think there's hope for anyone who needs to do what they need to do. The challenge is that often people confuse marketing with sales. They're not the same thing. One helps the others, but it is perfectly possible to be incredibly authentic in the marketing that you do and then screw it up when you get to the sales stage. But that's not for me to say. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a sales expert. <laughs> oh, me either. I've been screwing up sales. I, I haven't really been, but I've been too scared to, you know, to, to go for the sales bite, you know, and it's, um, but I found I found a much better way to do that. And, and it's, it's kind of like saying, um, this is what I offer. If that's what you need, let's talk business. And if it's not what you need, let's have a coffee. Let's just add each other to our networks and have a bloody good time. Do you know? And once I started doing that, it's well, pe- more people bought anyway. Like my people go, yeah, yeah, I do want to do business with you because I like you. But um, it took some, takes the pressure off, you know. And 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 I love what you're saying about marketing is it's telling your story, you know, and and why you do it and. I love, I've always had trouble with the marketing. What, what am I, what's my messaging, you know? And you know what I've found recently, and not just recent, but over recent time, is putting up photos of what I'm doing, do you know? And people are just loving it because it's it's demonstrated achievement. You know, it's kind of like you, you don't have to say, guess what I do? You know, it's a picture. <laughs> this is what I do. And everyone's having a great time. So... The evidence helps. People need to be able to trust what you're doing. And if you have um, imagery, especially real life imagery, you know, especially gritty stuff that looks like it hasn't been faked and you haven't bought it off of Shutterstock, it actually helps convince people. There's a reason why um, audio is so compelling. I've just been exchanging conversations with someone on LinkedIn through voice. Instead of typing messages to each other, we actually leaving phone voicemails to each other and it really cuts through the noise because it means that you can actually have a conversation with someone in a way you never could before and I suppose this is one of the best things about doing marketing now and when I did a TEDx talk a few years ago originally it was going to be called why now is the best time in history to be in marketing at the very last minute we changed it I said to the organizer, what if I change my title? Is that okay? He thought about it. He said, yeah, okay. Well, we'll see how that goes. And I changed the title to Confessions of a Liar, Marketing in the Era of Authenticity. And the whole point is that I'm not a liar. I hate advertising because I hate the lying element of advertising. But I was lying to myself about marketing because it is a natural home for me. It is a place where I feel like I can make a difference in the world. I can help people communicate. I can help get their stories out with the world. I know all the tips and tricks, but I also know what doesn't work and how to coach people through that. But it's too easy to be a liar. And the great news is now we live in an era of authenticity. And now it is easier to have conversations with people and get down to the nitty gritty. And it's much easier to do exactly what you did, which is to say, you know what, I don't do that. And I don't do that. And I don't do that. But here's what I do. And if you want what I do, then let's talk. What actually happens when you do that is you invoke the principle of scarcity. And actually by saying, well, anyone can do that, but I don't. But here's what I can do. People actually start to kind of want to be on your team. 
because they realize that actually maybe they don't need all of that stuff that other people would pitch to. And there's nothing worse than promising something that you're not going to be able to deliver. Yeah. So if there's a message we can leave for people out there who are either scared of marketing or not quite sure what to do about it, it's be more honest. Yeah. Be yourself more. Share who you really are. Share the stories of your happy customers, whether that is photos or pictures of what you're doing for them and with them, or whether that's videos or whether that's voice conversations with you're having with someone, or even just type them a message. People are people. We want to connect with people like us. And we're doing ourselves a favor if we can be open and honest about it. And, and why wouldn't you be open and honest about it? Like, this is a funny thing. And, you know, we're talking about selling yourself. And I don't mean selling, but just you know, being yourself, putting yourself out there. And we are the only expert on us, you know. So so we if we just step into us and put it out, then I'm not saying it's easy because I struggled with this for years, Do you, you know, and, and I mean, people would say, oh, my, everyone who knows me would say, you've been putting yourself out there for bloody 20 years, you know, who cares? Yes, I have, but not in the sense that with that, do you want to buy, you know, <laughs> this is what I'm offering, you know, it's kind of like I'm just spraying myself out there and, you know, um, hoping hoping that somebody might, which is stupid, and I've realised lately it's stupid, is that you're kind of putting shit out there and you're, you're hoping that someone says, just drops in your lap and says, oh, yeah, I want that. You know, you, you actually have to take some some kind of stuff and I some kind of actions. And I absolutely love what you said about um, the, the voice message and that on LinkedIn. And, in fact, you and I met through beautiful Karen Tisdall who does LinkedIn marketing. She's bloody fantastic. She's beautiful. She really is. She's beautiful. And her and I just started doing uh, not just started, but out of the blue, started doing video messages. And it was so quick. It's like, hey, how are you going? You know, I'm going to get back to you. You know, I've got your message and blah, blah, blah. And it'd be, only be 30 seconds. But uh, the connection, we, our connection just went, you know, it skyrocketed as soon as we started that's, doing videos. That's what it does because you get far more cues when you're talking to someone and you can hear their voice. Because as humans, we're trained to be able to sense nuances. Um, we can read and we can interpret a certain amount from the verbs and the adjectives, the tone of voice people use, how long or short their sentences are, how good their grammar is or isn't. Yep. But it's not the same as actually picking up the cues from someone's voice, the pitch, the tone, the intonation, how long their words are, just how how much energy they have from their voice. You can tell. But I want to go back to something earlier you said about being authentic. And I'd actually like to sum it up with a quote by Dr. Seuss, Yes, which is, Today, you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. <laughs> love it. Love it. And it's so true, isn't it? But we're so scared. We're so scared. And I, I know it's just human nature. And we've got this negative bias. And, we're, you know, it's all about imposter syndrome. And if we put ourselves out there. And for years, you know, I, I, I'm a songwriter too. And so, you know, you, you when you put something like that out, you're putting your heart out there for people to just stomp on. And it's so it's kind of like whenever we share anything about ourselves, it's kind of like this vulnerability just opening right up and saying, come on, you're not really, but it's kind of feels like you're saying, just stab me. Here, here I am to, for the taking. But it's not like that at all. And, and, and there's very few people out there trying to attack you. There's very few people that want to actually cut you down. Do you know they they generally, gener- genuinely, like you said, want to connect, Do you, you know, and want to know who are you? Who are you? I kind of, I like what I've seen so far and I would like to know a lot more. So show me, but we don't. I think that's true. And it's so beautiful to think that more people are sharing stuff that is harder for them. I'm on a bit of a mission this year to start getting people more engaged with poetry. Yeah. And I've actually been writing poems that I know uh, that I've saved at least for the last 15 years. I mean, I wrote poems before that, but I just never bothered to kind of store them anywhere. And so I've kind of made it a mission this year to make poetry more acceptable in a business to business context, a really formal, stuffy environment where people usually wouldn't share their personal stuff. You know, 10 years ago, you you wouldn't even tell people that your parents died that weekend, except for maybe HR. You know, nowadays we share this information because something is really big deal with us. So I, I know exactly what you feel when you're talking about um, creating a piece of work, a creative art, 
that you want to share with the rest of the world. It's you feel vulnerable. Mm. And I can imagine there are, you know, celebrities who once you've got 50 million followers who might trash talk a piece of music or something that you've shared. Fortunately, I'm not in that world. And I've also noticed that partly the, the groups of people that we curate around ourselves can also determine how the responses that we get. This is one of the other great things about connecting with awesome people like yourself and Karen Tisdell on LinkedIn is that we choose our tribe. And what ends up happening is that more and more people who, who we get excited about spending time with end up flowing into our lives. Yep. And I've noticed the difference between different social media platforms. For some reason, the stuff that I get on Facebook, which I don't use very often, but I just keep tabs on people occasionally, is so much more negative than the stuff that I get on LinkedIn. And the only thing I can attribute it to, apart from the fact that one's more of a professional network than a personal network, is that actually I've actively curated my LinkedIn connections with people who have the right vibe about them. Yeah. And if they don't, I'll disconnect. I'll remove them. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I think there's something, I, I agree, I'm nearly ready to piss Facebook right off out the door, but I'm just, just hanging in there, but I don't know whether I will or not. I, I can't stand the shit. But anyway, it's not, not the people, I just, Facebook, I just bloody hate it. But anyway, you know, on LinkedIn, when you're talking about before saying, um, you know, that you, you 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 curate your people and then others come in, something that I've found just to expand on that a little is that when you're having, uh, you know, genuine connected conversation with your connections on LinkedIn, you know, and you're having a little bit better, other people are watching that and they, are, they, they want that. You know, they're looking for, oh, I really like this. I really like this. I want to be part of it. So they start liking things, you know, and then they start connecting. And I've had so many people say to me, you know, you know, I've been watching you for months, you know, and I don't know who they are, you know, and same with my podcast, people, I don't, every week, oh, gee, it'd be probably three times a week, I get an, an email or message from someone saying, oh, that podcast. And I'm like, where did this person come from? Did, like I had no idea that they were out there. Listen, so I think when you're doing the banter that you're talking about and the connection and, and truly caring about the people you connect with, other people feel that and want that. You know, you, you, you sort of subtly, invisibly spreading it out like this, you know, and saying, you're welcome, you know, and they're like, oh, thank you. Do you know, I think it... I, and why shouldn't we do that? Why shouldn't we do that? We should absolutely yeah. be doing that. And that's part of the mission that I have, which I call my big hairy ass goal, which is to eliminate human suffering at work. It really is a big goal. But the point is that people have spent so much of their lives historically just doing a job for the simple fact of earning a salary so they can pay off, not even a mortgage these days, just a place to live. And and keep existing mm -hmm. rather than actually thriving. And I think that's changing. If there's anything that the COVID crisis has given us, it is the opportunity to be more authentic, more of ourselves, and possibly more vulnerable. Mm. And I think with increased vulnerability comes the ability to, to be more empathetic to others. And also it actively encourages others to be kinder yep. to themselves. Yep. Yep. 100%. I, I love that. And it's, oh, I just, I just love all that, you know, and I, and I think that, um, you know, I was thinking as you were saying, and I wasn't waiting for you to stop so I could say it, but, you know, thinking about this, um, you know, the, the, the LinkedIn has got this professional thing, you know, that, oh, you can't put that on LinkedIn, you know, that sort of stuff. And I think I, I, I what you're saying is the same thing is we've got to start, we've got to, recognize each other as human beings and, and 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 have that connection stop that stop that stuff and just bring in all the warmth and the kindness and because at the end of the day that's what we all want we all want kindness we all want to be we want to be seen we all want to be heard we all want to be but we want to be seen for our true self you know and and, and this corporate stuffy world you're talking about we'll put on this big face and we do the job we hate and and it how the, how in the hell can you have a happy life when you're getting up 
going to work in a job you, you hate. And this is why I do get off the bench. I just try to inspire people. Come, do what you bloody want to do. Do what you love. And even if you start off with it as a hobby, for God's sake, give it some legs. Let's go and give it some legs. And you know, I heard once um, that most heart attacks, now I'm yet to confirm this, but it came from a credible source and, you know, I, I believe it and I can see that it would be true, is that most heart attacks happen on a Monday morning. Do you, you know, that... Um, interesting people don't want to go to work now whether that's changed since COVID I don't I don't know because everybody's working 24 7 you know when they shouldn't be and not shutting that off a store but it, that goes to show you how many people you know just aren't happy I was talking to I don't know if you know John D Martini he's just ma absolutely marvelous and I just had he's, he's a the world the, the probably world's greatest uh, human behavior yourself just chatting in with him today and he was talking about the same thing is that we we go to work we get up we we earn all this money so that we can have a, a holiday and then then we can retire and then we go spend all the money and we're still freaking unhappy and we've never done a day of what we want to do do you know and it it doesn't make sense and I know, I know some people feel trapped, you know, that, that they have to keep doing it, but I just so encourage people to do something you love on the side, you know, so that at least that can start to grow and come up. Now, oh, go on. You are going to say something. I just about cut you well, off. I was going to say two things, actually. The first is I love the analogy of getting off the bench, but I take it almost a step further in my mind because I think about sitting on a bench waiting for a bus to come. Now, I lived in the UK for 13 years yeah. and took a fair number of buses during that time. The point is that if you're sitting on a bus and you're waiting for the number 17 and you're sitting at a bus stop where you don't get the number 17, you only get the number 21 or the number 35, you're never going to catch that bus. Mm. So part of the opportunity of actually getting off the bench is in being in the right place. And that means you have to get off your ass. It means you've got to do something. And I think almost all of this comes down to the fear factor. And the fear factor is, is something completely human. In fact, it's not completely, it's not entirely human. Mm. Animals have fear too. Yeah. But humans have the unique ability to be able to overcome that fear and to do something different and something extraordinary and something better. Yeah. And I think a large reason why we're seeing trends in HR, like the great resignation and uh, the great, I think it's the great reassessment is what they're calling it now, mm. is because people have come to the realization that there is another way, that they don't have to spend their lives in fear anymore. And it takes me back to a quote by Marianne Williamson. Now, she wrote a book that was um has a beautiful quote in it that was misattributed to Nelson Mandela because Nelson Mandela used it in his inauguration address. And it goes like this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not? To be. And I'll skip over to the end because the point is that as we own, let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that is so true, isn't it? Well, there's, well, there's about a hundred true things in that. Well, probably 10, but it's just, it's, you know, when we give permission, when we, and oh, that's so true. When we stand in our own light, other people see that and they, it does give them courage. And you know, I think we've got a duty. Daniel Pink said, and I think you, I think you quoted Daniel Pink too last time I was talking to you. You know, he said that we've got an absolute obligation. If we've got something that can make the world better for someone else, we've got an absolute obligation to put that, a moral obligation, he said, to put that out there, do you, you know, to do that thing and, and to help other people. And, uh, you know, isn't it funny that there's all these sayings and there's all these um, you know, stuff that we can talk about, pull things out of the air and everything else, 
And yet they're so true and they stand the test of time, you know, that they keep being repeated over and over and over. And as human beings, we hear them and we go, oh, that's so true. But it's that gap, isn't it, between knowing that that's true and, and believing in ourselves, you know, to, to, to fill that gap. And how yeah, I wish. A lot of it is about fear. It is. Yeah. A lot of it is just stopping and and taking the risk. And the thing that I have found since doing brave things is that the more brave things you do, the easier it is to be brave. One of the best examples I came across was actually, um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? The guy who does the Virgin. Richard Branson. Branson. Richard Branson, that's it. Thanks. <laughs> I'm getting confused with Bill Bryson, the author, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, Richard Branson, the very first time he started what was going to become Virgin, he actually chartered and hired a plane with a bunch of people who were on the runway who had their plane cancelled and he was just brave enough to go, well, why not? What if I do this thing? And I think the difference between an entrepreneurial mindset and possibly a fixed mindset is the perception of what are the risks? And it takes a lot of courage to know, you know what, I could fail but I'm going to do it anyway. And it takes a lot of assessments and some people are never prepared to take that risk. And some people don't have the opportunity to take that risk, mm. but when they get off the bench, when they let their own light shine, yep. they give other people permission to do the same. They do. They do. T tell us about more about you. Um, I want to know about the TEDx, the TEDx talk that you did, right? Because um, like, that's a perfect example of being brave, do you, you know, because, it's the same, what I was talking about before, you're putting yourself out there, you're coming up with this theory or whatever, you know, you're sprouting what you believe to be the truth and we've all got perception. So there's going to, there's always that thought in your head and there's going to be people in the crowd, you know, who don't, don't agree with what I say. What if I'm heckled, you know, and what if someone pulls me up later and says, you know, that, that's not actually quite true. Did, did all that stuff go through your mind or did you just think to how are that? I'm doing a TEDx talk. I'm bloody going to enjoy myself. <laughs> Well, it's kind of more of the latter, but there's a story behind this, as there always is. Yeah. I actually did a TEDx talk to prove to someone that I could. And I was sitting in an organization where I'd had a mentor who'd helped me enormously. And I'd done a presentation. And by the way, I've been doing public speaking since I was nine years old. So I was pretty damn sure I was a pretty good public yeah. speaker. <laughs> and she had listened into a session that I'd given and her feedback was so negative. I was absolutely flabbergasted. I, I didn't understand why. And I talked a little bit about doing some more big stuff. And for some reason, we talked about doing a TEDx talk. And, and she was just really, she didn't think I could do it. And when I left the organization, I thought, you know what? I want to do a TED talk. Now, there's a difference between TED and TEDx. TED is a big thing. It's very formally organized. It's basically the root of it. You have to be a super celebrity to be able to do a TED talk. But TEDx, it turns out, is organized by people all over the world. It's organized by ordinary people like you and me. It's done in ordinary venues. A, a marketing organization could organize it. A, a university could organize it. Anyone can decide they want to do it if they've got the time and the capacity because it's a hell of a mission. Yeah. So I thought, well, I need to prove this person wrong. I need to prove that I actually do know what I'm talking about. And so I sat there and Googled all the TEDx talks happening in my region and living in the UK at the time. There were seven or eight within an hour's drive from me. And so I looked one up and I said, oh, oh that's in Reading. Oh, that's not far away from me. I wonder who's organizing it. Looked him up and looked him up on LinkedIn. And I found the guy who was organizing it and I dropped him a message and I said, hey, you're organizing a TEDx event. Can I participate? And he said, yeah, sure. What do you want to talk about? And that evening I sat down and I wrote my speech from beginning to end and I sent it to him and I said, well, what do you think about that? And he's, you're in. <laughs> now, the thing about that story is that it doesn't usually happen like that. Yeah. TEDx events are usually very formalized, very structured, very organized. You've got to do an enormous amount of preparation, even just to be able to apply. I applied for one in Sydney a few years ago, and you had to actually do your speech, record your speech, and then submit your speech before they would even consider whether they'd let you up on stage or not. Wow. 
And so I kind of feel like I cheated a little bit. But you know what? I gave it a go. Because I figured, why not? Yeah. And that is the point. So when the time came to stand up on stage and and think, you know, is someone going to question what I'm talking about? Are they going to tell me that I'm wrong? I'd done an enormous amount of preparation. Mm. I'd done 15 hours of preparation for a 15-minute speech. So I'd done a lot of homework. I'd improved and tweaked and adapted the presentation. I'd listened to myself, watched myself on video presenting, which was very scary because I realized all of my bad habits <laughs> and started working on it in a way that made me a much, much better speaker. So while my original objective was to prove to someone that I could do it, and I did that, I also was able to prove to myself that I had a lot to learn. And it's been a really good way of assessing. And I think that's something else that video does. When we're brave enough to put ourselves out there, we have the opportunity to, to realize how we sound to other people rather than just how we sound in our own head. And that's often a shock to people for the first place. <laughs> I've been doing it that long. It doesn't show. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even watch them before I put them up. I'm just... <laughs> I absolutely love that story. I, I love it. And it's just, it's so true, isn't it? But it's even the courage in just reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, you know, and, and say, hey, can I participate? Because there's a there's a potential rejection in that, Do you, you know. So, uh, you know, I think that I think that's courageous. I want to ask you about your, um, you know, you talk about helping people because in your job, verbalistics, you know, you talk about helping people do marketing that they're proud of. And so where does that come from? Like, like, are people putting out that much shit that they're really ashamed of it? They are? Okay, tell Seriously, us about it's, that. it's true. Um, it's actually shocking how much stuff is going out there. And some people are creating it not for the sake of producing a piece of content they're proud of, but literally using bots to write content, to dump onto the internet, because that's more important because they just want to play the algorithms and, and get stuff. I suspect that most of your listeners are not in that kind of world. I suspect most of your listeners are in a world where um, they want to do content that they're proud of, but they're a little bit worried that they might not get it right or they might not choose the right target audience, blah, blah, blah. I guess the important thing to come back to is when we do the job that we do that makes us come alive, Hopefully, it's something that we've got off the bench for. And that, by the way, it doesn't just apply to people starting off their jobs mm. that they've never done before. It might actually apply to getting a promotion at work. Just get off the bench and ask for the job that you want or, or put your hand up and say, I want to do that project or, or push out that initiative to, to the boss or the boss's boss and say, I really have a great idea and here's how I think we can make it happen. Will you let me do that? Yeah. I think more often than not, those kind of initiatives are possible. Mm, and think. actually, it just requires that immense determination to be able to make it happen. Mm. But you asked me about doing marketing, what we're proud of. And I guess for me, that comes back to feeling like what you're doing is worthwhile and that you want to share it with others. Yeah. Whether you are a person who works in an organization that makes widgets or you are someone who sells your services for a living. Mm. If you find that grain of passion, that thing that you know you're making a difference in the world somehow, that is the thing that forms the basis of proud marketing. Mm. Because that is true. That is authentic. You cut someone down the middle, and if they are proud of what they do, that pride will fall out. Yeah. What happens if they're trying to hide something or they're trying to tell people that it isn't really what they're doing? People feel uncomfortable. Mm. And humans are very good at picking up social cues. Even when we don't know it, we can have a conversation with someone who's not authentic with themselves and feel uncomfortable around them. Yeah. Yeah. And so the secret to your marketing is not that you have to create an ebook that's 20 pages long. Or you don't have to create a video if you're not comfortable being on video. What you need to do is find a medium that allows you to put your message out there to the people who need to hear it. Mm. And then when that happens, it, you can be proud of something. Yeah. 
But it does take a lot of courage to be able to pull something together that you're prepared to share with the world. The difference is when you've created something that you're proud of, sharing it with the rest of the world, or at least not everyone, just the people who want to use or buy what you have to sell or share, is easy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I I love it. Just love it. And I think that something you said in there was like, um, you know, when you're when you're proud of it, it just oozes out of you. Do you know? And and when you you know you're making a difference, or when you 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 know that what you're doing changes lives. It you can't help but be passionate about it. You know exactly. I, I know I can't. I get. I just get so bouncy and excited. And the other thing is too that you don't have to have all the freaking answers. You don't have to wait until you're the biggest expert of something. If you're offering a a, a bucket of something, and it's not the be all and end all, that's enough for people to say, "Do you know what I could really do with that bucket?" And I like you because I trust you. So you come here and share that bucket with me and then we'll see where else it leads. And that that often happens too. And I think we're too scared to put out little buckets of stuff, you know, because, you know, people are going to expect me to to be the the entire expert on that subject. But I, I I don't think anyone ever expects you to be the entire expert. And I think it's okay to say, I don't know, shit, I've had to say it to several people. Can can you can you run workshops for me to do this? And I'm like, eh, I can do I can do half of it, but I don't do the other half. So you can either you know we can either mold it a bit, or or you might have to get someone else. And the, every single time they say, no, no, let, let's work on it. Let, let's let's take the bit you do do, and let's let, tell me what else you do. Come on, let let's build this because we want your energy in the room. You know, and that's what I hear all the time. We want your energy in the room. So that's just being authentic, and that's so good. And now tell us about your book, The Secret Army. Hang on, I've got to get right. The Secret Army, Leadership, Marketing, and the Power of People. Tell us about that. That's right? it. Where did it come from and tell us what it is. <laughs> Do you know, that it actually is a post-traumatic marketing manifesto. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> so if you think about it, right, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is a syndrome that people get after they've come out of um, really, really tough scenarios. You know, maybe they were in a war or they were abused or they were in a a really, really horrible situation. And I'm not saying that happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that I was a PTSD sufferer. But what I am saying is that for many years, I worked in organizations where I just didn't feel like I could make a difference. Yeah, yeah. Actually... The reason that the book came about was because I had spent so many years expecting something that my very first boss had set up that, quite frankly, people weren't prepared to deliver. Organizations didn't know how to give this to their staff for many, many, many years. And here's what happened at the beginning. Simon Sinek wrote a book called Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates People. And in it, he has three principles. Autonomy. Was that, was that Simon Sinek or Daniel Pink? No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry, that's not Simon Sinek. It is Daniel Pink. Daniel Pink wrote the book, Drive, The Surprising Truth About What Motivates People. And in it, the three principles are autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Yeah. Autonomy is the ability to do things independently. Yeah. Mastery is the ability to become really, really good at what we do. And purpose is, well, hello, do we? why are we doing this in the first place? Yeah. yeah. And when I first got a full-time job, I didn't even realize that I was being given autonomy, mastery, and purpose by default. I was working at an organization where I could set up their systems and their infrastructure and do marketing, which actually, I didn't even know I was doing marketing at the time, but I was setting up websites and sending out emails and creating brochures and organizing events, all of which is marketing. And then I left expecting every other place I work to give me autonomy, mastery, and purpose. (laughs) Yeah. And I was bitterly disappointed and I didn't realize why. Yeah. And so when I say that the, the book is a, is a post-traumatic marketing manifesto, it is effective me going, me going, what does marketing need? Yeah. You know, what should marketing be about? And what is, why is it a manifesto? Because it's, it's me going, you know what, this is not good enough. Mm. Yeah, good. We need to lead people differently. We need to lead from the heart. We need to trust our guts. And we need to let people do what they need to do and help them shine and help them glow. Yeah. 
and it took a, a a very short period of time to write the book. I actually wrote the book in three months, mm. but it took a very long time to get it to a point where I was proud enough of it and brave enough to be able to share it with the rest of the world. And a lot of that involved double checking whether I was allowed to quote authors, oh, yeah. uh, whether I had their permission to use their sources uh, and, and going to people whose stories I was saying and, you know, going, well, I can tell the story with your name or without your name, which way would you like to do it? Mm. Yeah. And it does mean that I was able to build up a secret army of people who wanted to be part of a movement. Mm. Unfortunately, just like the cobbler's children have no shoes, what often happens with marketers is that they are their own worst marketers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I spent I spend time talking about the secret army years later, and it's still available. It's up there on um, the internet. If you want to buy it from Amazon, you're more than welcome to. But did I spend any time and effort investing in my own marketing? No, I didn't. To my eternal shame and horror. But maybe with the next book, I'll actually spend more time marketing it than I will writing. <laughs> Hopefully that'll be the case. I'm the same. I've got two books. I never, I hardly ever plug them, you know, but, but that's the cover of one of them anyway. So it kind of gets a plug every week, but you know, it's, um, it's, yeah, I know it's, uh, someone said to me, you know, oh yeah, but if you, you self-publish, how are you going to market? And I'm like, I don't care about marketing, you know, and, and probably I did, but I didn't know how to do it. But, but my idea of having a book is, is it's a giant business card, do you, you know, and it's, 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 it opens doors everywhere, do you know, and it's, um, well, not only that, it's bloody good information too, and I bet yours is bloody good information, you know, but it's, um, I wrote mine in four weeks. I'll tell you the secret, you know, you see, is because, well, the first one, it took me over a year because exactly what you do, I had to double check with all the authors. Are you happy with this? Are you happy with that? All the contributors, you know, blah, blah, blah. But this one, I was at a conference and, you know, the guy asked me to do a workshop and blah, blah, blah. And so as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, oh, shit, they need to know that. They need to know that. I haven't got enough time. So I said, give me your email. I'll send you a PDF. I come home, start typing up the PDF, and then it's like, oh, but what about funding? Oh, shit, what about this? Oh, what about that? And within four weeks, I just banged that book out. And really, when I look at it now, there's, I look at it and I think, mm, I probably probably should have elaborated better on that, but I don't care because so many people have said to me that book has got them, has kick-started them, do you know? But the, my secret was that I had people waiting and I felt guilty. It was kind of like... I, I just felt like I had to get them something because I promised them something. And then when I realised it was going to be a book, I thought, why would I send them a PDF when I can just send them a book, you know? So uh, that, that was my driver. And, it, boy, by Christ, did it put a rocket up my ass to drive that. But, you know, it's, um, it's amazing what things can be done, isn't it, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you've got the motivation to do it and... Uh, and sometimes having the motivation to do it actually means finding external sources or kind of cheating yourself into doing the motivation, right? If I hadn't decided I wanted to prove to someone that I could do a TEDx talk, I never even would have attempted because I didn't know that TEDx even existed. It was only by setting this big, hairy, audacious goal that I tried it and I did it. And it was a similar thing with the book. I'd written a first one. The first one took me seven years. <laughs> it was a novel. I got to the end of it. I'd written it. And I talked incessantly about trying to find a publisher and didn't manage it, quite frankly, because I was too scared, really, yeah. to go out to a lot of people and say, hey, here's, do you want to do something with this? And eventually, Hubby said to me, that's it, Gina, I'm done. <laughs> I can never talk to you about your book again. Sorry, I've put so much time and emotional investment in this that I can't do it anymore. And trust me, he is a long suffering, patient man <laughs> who wants the best for me. So for him to turn around and go, I'm done, <laughs> took quite a lot of effort. And so I was like, okay, well, if I can't talk about this end book anymore, I'll just I'll just write another one. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, shit. But I think I actually think novels are harder to write and take longer to write, you know, because well, that, I, I don't even write them and I'm not ever going to go into because I don't ever read novels, you know. I don't, I, I'm too much of a learner. I have to learn everything and investigate everything. But it's, um, 
you know, to me it's kind of like, well, the fantasy could go this way or it could go that way and it could, you know, who's the, who's the person saying what? If they say this, well, I'd be I'd be there for bloody years because I could I could never decide how I want the bloody plot to turn out. And, you know, then I'd go down this whole path and then I'd think, nah, that's for that's us. Come back. Oh, again. boy, definitely no, not, not the right route for you, I don't no. think. <laughs> no, I just want to write a book about facts. Here you go. Here's the facts. Now, there, there you go. Perfect. That'll do. Yeah, oh, that's good. Oh, look, I, I, the other thing I want to ask you about too is you are on a, a couple of boards, but one of them is Project Displaced. Tell us about that because that is I looked it up and it's bloody fascinating, but I'm not going to do it justice, so you do it. <laughs> well, before I tell you about Project Displaced, I'd like to share a story about bravery, determination, And quite frankly, just deciding this is something I really, really want to do and how things kind of work out. Yeah. So at some point in time in 2020, I decided, you know what? It's time to be on a board. Don't know why. Don't know where it came from. Just an idea I had. I thought this would be nice. And so the Chartered Institute of Marketing um, was applying for board members and they were looking for an international representative. And so I thought about this and I thought, oh, should I apply? I'm like, oh, it's really risky. Oh, look at that big, impressive people on the board. There's no way I'm going to be able to apply for that. But I felt the fear and did it anyway and applied. And I thought, you know what? There's very little chance I'm going to get in. And it was quite a long period of time between putting in the application and hearing any news. And so in the meantime, doing what I do on LinkedIn, found something interesting, reached out to the person. And I found Project Displaced and reached out to the founder, Anthony Cohen, and said, Ant, I want to help. And he came back to me and he said, that's fantastic. You're not a coach, but you're a marketer. Can I pick your brains about marketing? I'm like, yes, of course you can. We had a conversation. And a week later, he said to me, you know what, Gina, I'm pulling a board together. Would you like to be part of it? (laughs) Yeah. And the obvious answer was, of course, yes. And today I sit very, very proudly along some amazing people on the board of Project Displaced. So what is Project Displaced? It is an organization dedicated to helping people who are out of work get back into work. And how do they do it? Effectively by providing coaching, counseling, training, Everything from, you know, how to redo your CV to what do you need to do in a job interview to what are the mental and, and psychological preparation that you need to do if you've been out of work for a long time. They have career coaches and guiders and counselors yeah. who will help you through that journey back into work. And we started it and started it because he came out of the airline industry and a whole bunch of people had lost their jobs. Mm. And they didn't know what to do with themselves. Most of them hadn't even written a CV for 10 years. They didn't even know what the CV was in some instances. If you're a baggage handler, Mm. you know, what can you imagine that the other type of work you could do? And so he called on his network to offer jobs. And he actually became a little bit of of a temporary job site. And then he found more and more people were offering their support from a coaching and a training perspective. And so Project Displaced actually became this amazing group of people who are just there to help others. They may charge an absolute fortune in their day-to-day coaching environments, but when they get to Project Displaced, they volunteer their time for free. Wow. That's- and to this day, we are still helping people who are out of work, even though the unemployment rate is incredibly low. There are a lot of people who are long-term unemployed or who just haven't been able to get the jobs that they want. You know, if you're employed, but you're desperately unhappy with your job, there is an opportunity to be able to look at that as well, to figure out how you can change and improve who you are and how you come across mm. in a job context. Wow. And so Project Displaced is very much still helping people find jobs in Australia. Wow. The only problem that we have is that we can't get enough people to hold up their hands and say, I want help. Yeah. And so we have all these wonderful coaches who are offering their help and support and not enough people just being brave enough to say, I have a problem. Please, can you help me? Mm. And that is the thing that frustrates me more than anything else. Mm. 
So I was going to ask you, you know, are you are you looking for people to, um, because I'm sure there's people listening to this that are just having a hot sweat at the moment. <laughs> Sorry about that. And I'm sure there's people listening to this at the moment that are thinking, oh, I'd, lo- I'd like to actually help. But but in actual fact, it's not that at all. Or do, are you looking for people to still help or you just want the other The end? wonderful thing about Ant is that he brings in people everywhere and all over the place. Yeah. So if you have expertise and you want to volunteer it to Project Displaced, he'll find a way to use that expertise. There's no such thing as wasted effort. But if there's one thing you can do for Project Displaced, it is to tell and convince anyone who is having job challenges, especially people who aren't in employment, that this exists. Yeah, yeah. And tell them to be brave enough. It can be entirely confidential. Obviously, they'll need to know your name so that they can have a conversation with you. But they don't need to know where you live. They don't even need to know what job you do. They're just there to help. Mm, wow. Oh, well, come on, guys. If you know anyone in that situation, get get them, send them over to Project Displace. I absolutely love that. I, I love it. And it's, it is, is it? Great. I was going to say it's not funny, but it's not really funny. But isn't it great or isn't it just, I don't know, inspiring? I'm not sure the word I'm looking for. But when when these things happen, uh, you know, like the airline people being displaced, you know, and not having jobs and that, isn't it amazing how these kind of tragedies or, you know, you know, just bad shit happens? But there's when people, I love it when people just pull something out of it. And, and grow something, do you, you know, and, and say, well, yeah, it's a tragedy, but it's an opportunity to do this now, do you, you know, and and, and I, th- I think that there's so many opportunities to do great things and we're missing them often, do you, you know, because we're sitting in, often sitting in victim mentality, do you, you know, or sitting in, I'm stuck or I had sort of great saying the other day is there's no such thing as being stuck. There's always another step, Do you, you know, and it's so bloody true. Just, uh, well, I love all this. I absolutely, absolutely love it. And, and, I, and I've loved this conversation. I've got to ask you my last get off the bench, get off the bench question. It, what's this, in your opinion, because we're, we've all got our opinions and our perspectives, but in your opinion, what's the secret to getting off the bench? It's doing the thing that scares you. And the thing is that actually you don't have to do things that scare you all the time. Yeah, They don't have to be terrifying things. But I think actually we need to just practice doing stuff that, that makes us afraid. And in the case of marketing, you know, you maybe are afraid to put out a blog post. So put out a blog post. Yeah, It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It won't be perfect the first time. But just do it. And then challenge yourself to do something else. Now, challenge yourself to put out two blog posts or challenge yourself to put out a blog post in a different format or challenge yourself to put out a blog post and a tweet and an article on LinkedIn. Every time you do something that scares you, you build a little bit of courage muscle. I can't remember the lady who said it, but I think it might have been Nancy Reagan, so the wife of... President Reagan in the United States, who said, courage like a muscle is strengthened by use. And we all know what happens if we sit on our butts every day and do no exercises. We get flabby and lazy. And then when you try to build your muscles up again, it's, it's much harder and it hurts. And the lactic acid builds up and you're aching. And courage is like that too. Mm. If we don't exercise our courage muscles, we become flabby. It's too hard to do something that scares us because we're not used to doing it. So, So whatever it is that you feel afraid of doing, think about it and think, what's the worst that could possibly happen? Yeah. And previously, I would have said, well, is someone going to die if you do that? And in COVID circumstances, well, people are dying all over the place and we just got to deal with that as well. Sometimes... The worst thing that could happen feels like it's shame or failure or embarrassment. But honestly, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And every mistake, every failure that we make is a stepping stone to something bigger. It might not feel like it at the time, but God knows it's terrifying when we're in the midst of something that feels like it is failure. Yeah. But if we can get to the end of it, 
it is so much easier to look back on that and go, wow, look at all the things I learned. Mm-hmm. It's always darkest before the dawn. And that same thing applies when we're doing things that we're not sure about doing. Yeah. If we get it wrong, we learn, we move on, we grow, we change, we do better the next time. Yep. Hundred percent. I love that. You know the um, you're saying about the dark before dawn. I always say you got to bash through the blackberries before you can get to the beautiful field. You know, because you get the you get scratched the crap out of you know. And when you're talking about you know the, the putting in in your taking that courageous step, you know, my partner wanted to write blogs and, and it was kind of like, I can't, I can't, I can't. I finally got it to write one and then it was like, no, I can't put it out. So I. I got it loaded up, and then I hit publish. It's <laughs> like it's out there now. Oh no! Sometimes you got to do that, but it, right? But it was great, you know. And then, then it was kind of like now, now there's just not enough time. She wrote blogs from yonks, you know. But now, now works a bit funny, but. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Gina, I have loved this conversation and it's just been absolutely bloody fantastic. There's going to be one of people want to follow you. I know that. So where are they going to find you? Check me out on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Say, hey, Gina, this is where I found you. You know, I know Karen or I heard about you and Karen's Get Off the Bench podcast or don't. Just send me a voicemail and go, here I am. This is me. I'm authentic. But whatever you do, however you want to connect with me, please just be authentic because Mm. really we trust people when they are vulnerable. And that's the best way of getting to know someone is by saying, yeah, you know what? I'm not perfect, but I don't know anyone who is. (laughs) I don't know anyone who is either. And I think we ever can be perfect, but there's also your website, uh, verbalistics.com.au. And, and that's right and also facebook but we've both talked about that however she still is on facebook so you can get her and uh, <laughs> and i'm still on facebook so you can get me but jesus <laughs> christ if it better bloody pull it socks up soon because we're not loving it but anyway I, I've, I've loved this and i do hope people connect with you because you're just a bloody gem and you know this you've made marketing uh, I, I mean it and you've made marketing just feel just feel comfy do you know and just feel just awesome it's that's it's wonderful that's where i find a lot of people get stuck including i have in the past now i don't care but i know there are so many people stuck in that spot so i, I just hope they listen to this and think yeah fuck it i'm just i'm just gonna go do it and just you know i think if it's yeah i'll say one last thing about marketing which isn't just be brave about it but also um just realize the people you need to talk to hang out in a specific place yeah And so if you're really scared about talking in in a specific location, maybe Facebook isn't your thing or LinkedIn isn't your thing or you really like imagery, just remember that people like you will be in places where you want to share your message. And sometimes if you're not reaching the right people, it means you're not hanging out in the right places. Do your homework, check people out, identify how you can help them. And all of a sudden, the conversations become so much easier. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you so much for giving us your time. And it's just it's just been absolutely wonderful. My pleasure. It's so glad we connected and so glad I got you on. And, you know, it's just bloody fantastic. So uh, until I meet you in person, um, this will have to do. <laughs> it's been bloody amazing. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's been bloody amazing from my perspective too, Karen. You're a gem. As how are you? All right, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Bye. Oh, guys, that was fantastic. And I'll tell you what, it takes a lot of the, um, oh, you know, the yuckiness about marketing. We're all sort of scared to do it and everything else. But like um, Gina said, you know, just put yourself out there authentically. Show pictures, you know, show what, what you're really doing. And, of course, there's a lot more to it. Like she said, you've got to know your market and you've got to be in front of the right people. But really, I think it's a it's a crime, and I've been guilty of it too, is it not putting yourself out there, not telling people what you do. And there are actually people out there, as I'm discovering now, who need what I'm doing so there's obviously people out there who need what you're doing but if they don't know you're doing it they can't actually 
yeah, they can't work with you. So I hope that's been helpful. I've absolutely loved that. If you know anyone who um, has been, you know, displaced with their employment or hates their job, they perhaps send them over to Project Displaced, Project Displaced, and and hopefully, you know, they can get some help there. I think that's a bloody fantastic project. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed that. I've absolutely loved it, and. Uh, again, thanks for joining me every week and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tick around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.